Welcome to Central Coast Voices, a program addressing the ramifications of change in our communities and beyond, and how today's choices will impact tomorrow's community. This program is a project of Action for Healthy Communities and provided in collaboration with KCBX and the Community Foundation of San Luis Obispo County. Fred Monroe continues to host the program from home. We do look forward to him returning to the studio in the near future. And as we return to a more typical work and recreational life post-COVID, we are reminded of how our transportation system is regularly challenged by our need to accommodate new people, homes, and jobs. The San Luis Obispo Council of Governments, SLOCOG, the key organization in long-term, long-range planning, has just completed the 2023 Regional Transportation Plan, the RTP. This tool will be the long-term blueprint for transportation planning and funding through 2045. Joining Fred today as he speaks with James Worthy, uh, Regional Planning Division Chief, and Sarah Woosley, Communications Director for SLOCOG. The more we know today, the more prepared we are for tomorrow. You're invited to listen, learn, and participate in our conversation today. You can call your questions in to 805-549-8855 or email your questions uh, to voices at kcbx.org. Now let's join Fred Monroe and his guests. Over to you, Fred. Good to be with you today. It's been a, been a while since we've done a program, and actually, well, the program's gone on every week. The rotation of, of hosts has been uh, juggled around while some of us have been on vacation or taking on other responsibilities. Um, we're going to talk today uh, um, about a number of things related to transportation. The, the thing we probably need to start out with first is that a good portion of the population has no idea at all what in the world the San Luis Obispo Council of Governments is, and the fact that pretty much every county in the state of California at least has a council of governments, because we can talk about transportation planning, but we probably need to find out and get some idea of um, of why we're even talking about this as a regional um, project. Um, so SLOCOG, today joining us is the Regional Planning Division Chief, James Worsley, and uh, the communications coordinator, Sarah Woolsey. And I have to give an early disclaimer to this only because it will come up in conversation and probably the nature of what's going on, is I have known both of my guests for a number of years and I've worked with them in other capacities. In the case of James, when I first met James, I was a city council member in Grover Beach and was a delegate to SLOCOG. I've worked with Sarah. Um, on some transportation planning and some uh, some training for people using public transportation over the last few years. And I still happen to serve on the San Luis Obispo Slow Cog Citizens Transportation Advisory Committee, or is it committee or commission? I forget. Anyway, um, and so I still do that. So it's not that big a part of the conversation, of course, but to be fair to all of our listeners, it's a good idea that we at least fess up to the fact that I work with both of these people in other capacities. Okay, so who wants to take on the first question that comes up all the time, which is what in the world is a slow cog and why do we have one? Sure, I can start that, Fred. Thanks for having us here. Uh, we're really Thank happy you, to be able to reach out to uh, everybody in our county to talk about what we're working on and what's coming. And let's start off with who, who and what is SLOCOG. So SLOCOG is an association of local governments. And what that means is the seven cities, 
um, Atascadero, Roy Grande, Grover Beach, Morro Bay, Paso Robles, Pismo Beach, and San Luis Obispo, as well as the unincorporated counties, the Slope County, came together and said, you know, we need a regional entity to look at regional problems. And we started way back in 1968. We've been around now almost 55 years as this regional entity. And primarily, we now focus on transportation. We've been getting into more regional other issues, such as housing and broadband and the like. Um, but we have a, a lot of acronyms, and it's alphabet soup in our language, honestly. And I know that you've learned a lot of them, but uh, I'm sure a lot of you listeners don't know what it is, but it's a mouthful, each one. That's why I use acronyms. So back in 1968, we started off um, to help uh, distribute the Transportation Development Act dollars. And primarily now those dollars are for transit services. Um, and we evolved over the decades um, with other agencies similar to ours, first becoming a regional transportation planning agency, uh, in which case we receive state funding and we distribute those state funds to our member agencies, the seven cities and the unincorporated county, as well as transit agencies and some of the projects with Caltrans. And with those state funds, we have to jump through certain state hoops, and there's always oversight of what we're spending the money on and where the money can be spent. In 1990, we became a metropolitan planning organization. That's kind of the federal equivalent of a state agency, the Regional Transportation Planning Agency. Uh, the metropolitan planning organizations have similar duties. Um, they receive federal funds instead of state, state funds. They have similar hoops to jump through as well. And one of those hoops we're talking about later today is the Regional Transportation Plan. Um, we also were designated the Service Authority for Freeways and Expressways. That's a mouthful just to say we run the call box program and we're running now the freeway service patrols that are um, south of the Cuesta Grade down to uh, Pismo Beach, Rio Grande area. And then we also now dabble with regional housing and the state uh, housing community development department um, allocates housing units to the, each region. And the region then has to allocate it down to the cities and the county, uh, those housing units that they predict are needed within the state, within the region. Now, I mentioned the federal designation of Metropolitan Planning Organization. There are 17 other MPOs in the state along with us. And as the state definition, uh, Regional Transportation Planning Agency, there's about another 35 of those in the state as well. Slocog is one of about a dozen counties that serves both purposes. A lot of counties um, have a start off as a regional transportation planning agency, and there's a higher umbrella that they have to answer to uh, as, as a metropolitan planning organization. We find it really works well to coordinate state funds and federal funds with the local funds that sometimes come in to, to our transportation projects and improvements rather than trying to deal with a second or third level of uh, bureaucracy. Now, um, I think we have a lot of programs. Still, people don't know who SLOCOG is. We're a regional agency, but we've been around for 55 years. What have we ever done for you? It's going to be the first question in most people's minds. And uh, we have a lot of programs that are more familiar and a lot of projects are more familiar. And a lot of times people probably just don't associate with SLOCOG being the funding agency for those improvements or programs. Rideshare is one of those programs that we uh, fund and support. Uh, the park and ride lot system, the Safe Routes to School programs, SLO 511 that allows people to know how to get to where they're going and, and 
if there's traffic or is issues. I mentioned the freeway service patrol. And we've done uh, transportation projects throughout the region, whether you live in uh, as far west as Ragged Point or far east as Shandon or all the way from San Miguel down to Napoma, we've got projects in every community that we have invested in, provided funds for, helped to build, helped solve problems. And those can all be seen now in our new regional transportation outlook tool that's on our website. It shows all those current projects going back pretty good to 2000 and some of the projects now go back to even 1985. Uh, but you'll find improvements to Highway 46, the widening 46 from 101 all the way toward Kern County. We're still working on the section just uh, just west of the Y. Uh, but then we're going to get to the Y as well and get that completed as well. Uh, improvements on 101, uh, auxiliary lanes in South County, interchanges that have been improved. These are funds that came through SLOCOG either to the locals or to Caltrans to help improve those transportation systems. And then there's safety improvements and capacity improvements and downtown corridors, bicycle improvements and pedestrian improvements, safe routes to schools, improvements and projects at, in most communities now. Um, so we've provided funds through the entire region and we're, we're, we still want to do more. There's a lot of work ahead of us and we still want to do more. And that's what this next step, this regional transportation plan is all about, what's coming in the future. In the overall scheme of the population of San Luis County, we are we are a very small player in statewide transportation what comes to mind and the, the question is that that comes up often whenever there's a discussion about slow cog and transportation dollars um, the, the best example i can come up with is when people are on the 101 corridor going towards highway 46 east whether they're coming from north of San Miguel, whether they're coming from south of Paso Robles or Atascadero, there's a tremendous amount of traffic at that one particular bottleneck. I would suggest to you that based upon the size of San Luis County, most of that traffic is not local residents. So the question I want to pose to you today is, how does SLOCOG that's basically a San Luis County run organization mm -hmm. interface with Caltrans and with other transportation providers. So the problems of things like 46 East get solved, even though the people who are most affected by them may not be our drivers or our passengers in public transportation. Sure. 46 East is a special case in our region. And you're right. You hit it right on the head that there's a lot of freight and a lot of travelers that don't originate or, or end in Slow County. Um, and, and because of that, we've been very fortunate to pull state funds to widen and improve 46 East from 101 all the way toward Kern County. Um, it wasn't that long ago that I remember it being pretty much two-lane highway for the majority of the distance. Um, and, and Caltrans has been a great partner. SLOCOG can offer up some of its uh, formula funds. And this is what we did. We've offered up some formula funds for each segment that has been improved. And then asked the state, hey, through your competitive pots, can you give us enough money to make this project happen? And this has been a focus route and priority for Caltrans because they know it's a major freight connection uh, from the central coast to 
to I-5 and beyond, uh, one of the uh, on, the only east-west uh, corridor um, from south of what, 154 and uh, north of, I don't know what, that's a major corridor that, that allows good freight movement. But along those lines, we also benefit from this improvement as uh, we know a lot of our tourists come from Fresno and Kern and San Joaquin Valley, and they come across the 46 and they are looking to have the experience on the coast and the experience is, you know, less crowded, less congested, hopefully better roads and better amenities uh, than, than Fresno, Kern, Merced uh, have right now. And we can offer that. We pull them over here on a regular basis. So it does benefit as well. It's not all for state purposes. There's a lot of benefit to us as well. My thought is, though, that it, it becomes a tug of war with funding sources because if there's a project that's necessary there, but it's coming out of regional funding, SLOCOG and your your member agencies, other cities in the county may say, wait a second, we're not going to spend $10 million on a project that only benefits a small portion of our population, but Caltrans or the federal um, funders may say, yeah, but that's where the money comes from. So you're stuck with it. Yeah, uh, we're, we've been fortunate that, yes, they typically want us to put in a lot more money. Uh, we typically want them to put in a lot more money. And as we get further east and further away from Paso Robles, we've been putting in less and less. And there's no, we would have never funded half of this if we would have just been using Slowcog's regional funds. Um, Caltrans and the, and the feds have been great partners on this. Okay. So we are now looking at a regional transportation plan that is being done in 2023. And it is the, the goal is for it to have a 20 year lifespan. My hunch is we don't spend 20 years waiting to do the next one of these. I believe one is every. Correct. Okay. I'm looking at a leapfrog situation. So right now we are, um, so we do have it out right now for public review. We're asking the public to review it, although Fred would point out it is a very long document. It's 800 plus um, pages, but it's available <laughs> as one document online. Correct. So we are asking the public to review it. And what it comes down to is the list of projects that you know we want to we want to fund over the next 20 years and with each project we uh, find a funding source for it or or it doesn't have a funding source um and i do want to also remind listeners if you're not a big reader and like to click around on maps like i do um if you want to see what projects are listed in the plan please do go to slowcog.org forward slash 2023 RTP, slowcog is S-L-O-C-O-G dot org. Um, and you can click around on a map and see what projects, you can see the completed projects we've done in your neighborhood. If it's still, you're still like, what is slowcog? What have they done for me? Um, and, and if you're looking for, okay, there's this RTP thing and what am I supposed to do with this and how is it relevant to me? We'll go look at the projects that are in there and see when they're going to be built. Um, there's certainly projects that all of us 
um, if you're going anywhere in our in our region in San Luis Obispo County, um, you want to see different things built and made better. Um, and you can find those in the map. So one of the things that I think comes up often and for our listeners who are in South County, um, the the issue of, of going around the curb at um, at Avila and Shell Beach. Um, one of the things that, that has been discussed for years is how there could be a transition lane for a good portion of that. When you're doing a study like this, are you looking at things you know are problems? Are you looking at things that statistically show you they're problems you hadn't even realized were problems? Both. We're, we're, we know there's problems out there today. We know they're not going to get better on their own. Um, the long-range plan's looking out again to 2045, and we know that uh, we're guessing that about 42,000 new people are going to come and move to our area, and they're going to need 18,000 new homes and 18,000 new jobs. And those that come are often going to bring cars and add congestion and problems to our roadways and our freeways. Um, so even today in Shell Beach, we know there's a problem on that curve. Um, add another 40,000 people. And what's that curve going to look like? Or what's the North County congestion hotspots going to look like? They're going to get worse. And what this plan's trying to do is look out, how can we fix that? But critically, we have to stay within our budget. The federal government must, they, they identify that we must be reasonable with our funding projections. And we can't exceed them unless we've got a reasonable ex expectation. And we can basically prove that those funding sources are very likely to continue or would be new. And it's very difficult to get them to believe in our new, our new funding projections uh, using new, new funds. So we have to be constrained is what we use it. Our terminology is constrained. Now our constrained list of projects come in as short term uh, by 2029 or midterm by 2035 or long term by 2045. And as Sarah mentioned that mapping tool will show you in, in various colors, um, which projects we think are destined to be first, second, and third, or or not to occur before 2045 or, and beyond. Um, a lot of projects are in that list. Um, there is a lot of projects that are in the long term, meaning if you're hoping for a fix now, it is probably 10 years or 15 or 20 years away, and that's unfortunate. And worse is those projects that are also needed, about $2.4 billion worth of projects that are needed or would be beneficial, and yet, there's no funding within our projections uh, to complete them before 2045. That's a long time to wait for certain projects. As, as you're mentioning that, what came to mind is sometimes we, we don't, government entities don't get to decide where people are going to choose to build houses. They don't get to decide where people are going to work. Um, and there are plans that are out there that the the best of the best laid plans um, sometimes don't seem to materialize. What comes to mind, uh, and and if this is a lousy example, I apologize, but it's the one that comes to mind, and that is the discussion about the traffic circles on um, on two twenty seven out of San Luis Obispo towards um, Price Canyon and the Country Club area. An area where it seemed like 
everybody was going towards the best way to get a traffic flow out there was a series of traffic circle designs. And all of a sudden, a good portion of the people who lived out there basically said, not in my backyard. Um, there, from either of you, I would, I would solicit, please give me a better explanation for that, because that was certainly a layman's explanation um, based upon hearing a lot of people complain about it. But I think those are the kind of struggles a plan like this um, shows brings on the table to some extent. Yeah. So so there are two kind of separate paths on on Slowcog's radar. And that is we've we've got this long range plan. A plan is here's what we think would work. Here's how much money we think will come to the region. We're projecting these things. They are not going to happen, guaranteed to happen. There's no no guarantee in a plan. Once we get further down the path, as as some of these projects have into programming, now we're asking the state and or for either grant funds or using our formula funds to program real dollars onto real projects to make the improvements occur. And the, pro the process is a long one for transportation. It, 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 it can take years, especially when relying solely on state and federal funds to trickle in as they do over the course of time. Some projects that seem like they should be an easy fix take 10 years or longer longer to start from environmental design and, uh, and, and go through the right-of-way process and construction. With, with other dollars, with local dollars, if everything was local, projects would move much faster um, and improvements would hit the ground much sooner. Sarah, did you want to add something on that as well? Um, what I wanted to add, gosh, um, keep, keep going and I'm going to okay. add well, I'll keep going. Yeah. So roundabouts, I know you hit on roundabouts. You said traffic circles, and roundabouts and traffic circles do differ based on their design, but terminology, probably everybody figures that's the same thing. Um, and and typically, the initial reaction of, hey, we're going to change this intersection in a roundabout is met with opposition because people don't like change, typically, and that's okay. Um, Morro Bay had our first roundabout. Slocog voted the first roundabout to happen in Morro Bay. And uh, it it met with opposition. Even the mayor of Morbay said, we don't want that here. Uh, and he sat on our board. Uh, but the Slocog board said, wait a second, we know there's a benefit to this roundabout at Quintana Boulevard next to Highway 1. We think it needs to be built and program the funds, even though the mayor said no, but the rest of the city council said yes. So there is that opportunity to stop the project through city council's approvals, if that's the case. Then, so now the roundabout's built. Uh, and the mayor, after it was built, and after the first 4th of July that occurred, um, the amount of traffic that flushed through that roundabout, he said, this is the best thing we could have done. Slocog was right. There's no way we'll ever take this away. So he was a, a convert instantly after that roundabout was built and the 4th of July traffic And flushed. one more thing is just to add that Again, this is the public review draft. So at every stage of like, we spend two years developing this 20 year plan. And then two years after we adopt it, we start again. So again, 20 year plan, we update it every four years, but it takes two years to develop it. Um, so the public has the opportunity to, to voice their opinion about a project so far in advance. Um, and these are, 
this is the time right now. Go look at the projects. Go see what's ha- what we have planned, um, and and give us your opinion now instead of when when the when the funding is going to happen. And the, this is you know uh, another impediment to a project that could have been planned um, more properly. Well, Sarah, as you're talking about that, what comes up to mind is. Um, having been to slow slow cog meetings before, actually the, the meeting of the actual slow cog board, you don't have a lot of public attendance. It's true. Okay, <laughs> so the, the the folks that the folks you hear from that have a frustration to share um, don't seem to show up early in the process. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, is there any well? Okay, so as the communications coordinator yes. for SlowCog, um, what can you do to, other than come on KCBX with me and, and have this conversation, um, what can you do to try and improve the dialogue between the public and Absolutely. your Absolutely, and I think, I think that's been our mission for a while now is just getting more people to know who we are and what we do for the region. Um, so that's part of being on here. We've been on K, uh, KSBY and we were in the New Times recently um, and and we're doing all we can. Um, you know, when I, I used to work in our rideshare department and I did um, program management for our senior um, transportation information um, program called Know How to Go. And we were going to some housing authority of San Luis Obispo properties. And they, the people that lived in those, um, at those properties, they wanted the information in their laundry rooms. So, um, you know, we're trying to reach people at every angle, whether it be they watch the local news, whether they read the local no- uh, newspaper. Um, we've been on the, on, in radio ads. So we are trying, um, but, yeah, with each each program um, is so different, um, and we're we're working on it. This is another step. So when issues like the flow of traffic on two twenty seven come up, um, and you get objections, my, my observation would be reasonably late in the process. Um, you talked about it for years before it became um, a project that, that doesn't seem like it's going to proceed. How do you balance that out? Because I'm sure that's frustrating from a standpoint of both the cities involved and the county um, and regional planners. It's, it, it's challenging. Um, but remember, our funds come from state and federal agencies, and we have to follow their rules specifically. And oftentimes, their rules will say you must use the funds for the least uh, environmentally impacting uh, option. Um, so when we go through the process, there's for a project, there's a long uh, lead time to build the environmental document, and then before design even uh, gets gets halfway or three quarters of the way through. So that process has happened, um, but yes, there's some opposition. Ultimately, if there's enough opposition to any given project, whether it's 227 or somewhere else, that's okay. The funds are in such high demand 
they can go somewhere else and be spent somewhere else. And the problems that exist will persist for a longer time frame. And that's happened time and time again in different communities on different projects where the citizens or city council says, you know what, give back that million dollars or for the project that you're going to fully fund at $14 million to fix uh, uh, our problem. And those funds were happily then uh, absorbed by another project in, in a different area of the county. We'll revisit that in a little bit. It's about time for a break. This is Central Coast Voices. I am here with representatives from SLOCOG today. We are talking about regional transportation planning and the entire planning process that involves regional government. Um, and it's a discussion we could probably have every week um, and have lots of angles to, uh, to, to look at. want to remind our listeners, if you're interested in being part of this discussion, you can give us a call at 805-549-8855, um, and we'll pose your question on the air. You can also email us at voices at kcbx.org, and we'll get a, attempt to, to talk about any of the questions you may have by email. You're also welcome to send us email comments at kcb.org, right, voices at kcbx.org, and we'll pass them on to our guests so they can respond to things that maybe we can't get to today. This has been Central Coast Voices. We'll be back with you in a couple of minutes. It's back to the studio. We will return to Central Coast Voices in just a moment. From the KCBX community calendar, the Central Coast Watercolor Society invites you to Aquarius, a water media exhibition on display through Monday, April 3rd at Art Center, Morro Bay, open daily from noon till 4. The exhibit is juried by award-winning watercolorist Feeling Lin and features a wide variety of water media styles and techniques by talented California artists. For more information, visit artcentermorrobay.org. We've been experiencing some uh, internet issues here uh, with our call hit today on Central Coast Voices, and we have been working to resolve them. We're going to attempt to return to our guests here on Central Coast Voices uh, with Fred Monroe and his guests and see if we complete our hour today. Back to you, Fred, and uh, let's see if we can uh, get back to our conversation Great, here thank today. Thank you, Brad. I'm James Worsley and Sarah Wolsey um, from SLOCOG on the conversation today. If you're just joining us, we've been talking about the transition plan, the RTP for 2023. Um, I, I want to pick up kind of where we left off because one of the things that, um, that comes up on I quizzed both of you for some feedback um, about the program and what you thought was important before we did the program. One of the things that came up was the concept of what is a self-help county and what is what is becoming a self-help county, what is it all about? So that may be a conversation we want to have because that's that's a key factor with funding sources. Yeah, you're, you're right. 
Right. And when we look at our, our sister agencies around the state, there are 25 self-help counties. And a self-help county means they've gone to their voters and they asked their voters, hey, would you support uh, uh, a tax increase? Often it's a half cent increase. Sometimes it's more um, over the course of a decade or two or three um, to invest those funds specifically into transportation purposes. And with that, they identify what those purposes and where those monies would be spent. And what these, these other counties are doing is they're now taking their money that their voters said, yeah, uh, we want uh, more road maintenance. We want highway improvements. We want a, a coastal trail, for instance. And they're taking their monies and going to the state during competitive uh, uh, project times uh, and, and offering the state a matching funds and capturing state competitive dollars. Um, we can compete and we do apply for lots of state grants. Uh, but we're being outcompeted by those 25 counties on a regular basis now um, for the state competitive funds. Uh, oftentimes what happens is we offer up a uh, one third and the state comes in with the other two thirds if we're successful. Um, and other counties are doing the same, but they're offering up so much more that that two thirds of states coming in with is, is significant proportionally, uh, proportionally higher. Sarah, yes. you had some observations to add to that. Absolutely. So how does this relate back to the 2023 RTP? Um, well, to answer that question, um, it's when, again, the 2023 RTP has a list of projects, projects throughout the region that we want to accomplish your city um, or the county, whoever you're represented by, puts it in our plan and we actually take out, list out each project, pr try to project what that project will cost, um, whether it's gonna be completed this year or if it's not gonna be looked at until 2030, we project that project's gonna cost. Try to uh, funding is that we anticipate coming in. When we do this, oh, we have, projected that we have a total need of $5.4 billion um, in projects that are listed in the RTP. But when we look at projected funding sources, we only project to receive $3.1 billion. That leaves a $2 billion hole, um, which would just mean that those projects will not be completed in the next 25 years. And that's a long time to wait um, for anything. Um, and and that's where we start thinking about and looking to our sister agencies who have self-help tax, uh, self who are self-help counties, which means they have a regional tax um, that funds those regional transportation projects and has to be used based on a funding plan that's set out um, at the get-go. Hey, um, we we did get a side question, and um, James, we probably need to at least address it. So, so Josh from Los Osos um, knows we're paying attention. Um, there is an active transportation committee, and there's a bike advisory committee, and he wants to know if those are merging or staying separate. I believe they may not be under Slowcog's purview, but you can explain that. That's right. They're 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 not under Slowcog's purview, and they're not related to the regional transportation plan. If they stay separate or they merge. We're happy to take feedback from from either or both um, as they exist. Um, does it make sense for both to operate? I, I guess it depends on the makeup and the group and and what their feelings are. To me, it, 
I'd ra I'd rather reach out to everybody, whether they're in one group or two groups. But um, I don't have any uh, uh, angst if they stay the same as it is now or merge. Party. Josh, thanks for the question. Sorry, we didn't have a clearer answer for that, but that's um, understandable at this point. Um, so I want to ba back up to the concept of the self-help county situation. It sounds like, if I understand this correctly, that those counties who have chosen to increase their own tax base get a favorable treatment by the state because the state is saying, you're putting more of your own money on the table, therefore we can give your project more weight. Yeah, that's it exactly. And we've got lots of examples of our neighbors doing just that. Um, if you are um, a proponent for active transportation, bikeways and safe routes to school and whatnot, Santa Cruz just competed uh, for these state grants. They put up $32 million from their self-help measure primarily and they captured another $115 million out of the state. So they're going to put down on the ground construction dollars, almost $150 million in the next few years for their coastal trail and other projects um, that, that they won these grant funds for. Now, looking at our regional transportation plan, 23 years we're projecting, we're hoping to have $180 million for our bike lanes, safe routes to school, coastal trail, et cetera. Santa Cruz has outpaced us already, and we're on year zero of the, our plan, basically. Mm -hmm. And the examples, uh, Monterey has a has a half cent or a three eight cent sales tax as well, and they're adding to their road maintenance. So they they're taking their formula funds, and the cities and counties have their general funds for road maintenance. And Monterey region has a sales tax that's offering or putting down another twelve and a half million dollars for road maintenance for their jurisdictions. And just drive down to Santa Barbara's County and Santa Maria and look at what's going on down there to see what their sales tax does. Santa Maria's 101 and their interchanges, significantly different look than our 101 and interchanges. All their interchanges have been rebuilt to brand new and they look like it in the last 10 years. And the widening that they did through Santa Maria, the same thing. They fixed their problems because they had that sales tax. And Santa Barbara's had their sales tax for over 20 years now where uh, we, we we're kind of wondering what happens to us if we don't have one ever. And there's really two parts to that too. Um, they, the Self-help counties have the ability both to implement projects straight away with the funds that they receive or leveraging the funds for grant dollars. If you have more dollars to leverage, you can apply for more grant applications um, and get more money from the or the federal government. And you hit right on that with the faster. Projects happen faster when it's your own money as opposed to waiting for the state and federal cycles to come around and give you their, your formula funds. So what does SLOCOG want to see happen and what kind of timeline is that on? Well, right now we're talking about the regional transportation plan. And that is what we're looking at right now for people to give us public feedback and to take a look at our plan, what's fundable, what's not fundable, and what's too many years away. And that's really the case, what we're, we're expecting to hear. Um, the Slocog board did approve uh, Slocog to hire a consultant to polling. So there might be texts or emails or phone calls to your listeners identifying um, what their thoughts are on transportation investments and 
um, the self-help uh, uh, option. So those that might occur in the next uh, month and a half. Your listeners might you know, keep an eye out for a text or an email that says, hey, we're wondering what you think about sales tax in San Luis Obispo for transportation purposes for these reasons. And those reasons are as varied as our transportation modes are. We've tried before and it has not been successful. You're right. In 2016, SLOCOG put uh, Measure J on the ballot. Um, and Measure J was the first time SLOCOG ever had something like this on the ballot. Uh, Measure J failed by uh, 450 votes um, out of 120,000 voters, uh, partially, well, well, because this type of tax requires two thirds. So we reached 66.3% support. Uh, but we needed 66.7% in order for it to pass. Um, had it passed, it would have generated $25 million a year in 2016. Now it would generate over $35 million a year and would bring back about a million dollars that we do not get, that other that the self-help counties do get every year. Uh, that's those are state dollars that we send to Sacramento and we're not eligible to bring back to bring back to our region. So this is not specifically part of the regional transportation plan, but the discussion about this, well, the discussion about the regional transportation plan brings this back onto the table. Yes. Uh, we're not allowed to look at a self-help sales tax and say it's going to happen because we've never done one before. And the Federal Highway Administration oversees us to make sure that we stay within their bounds. And they said, no, that's not reasonable to for you guys to consider uh, that you're going to pass it even though they allowed other agencies similar to ours to include it in their transportation plan years ago, they've said, we're changing the rules and you guys don't get to have it constrained in your plan. We do talk about it a little bit in our plan and we do identify that here's what it might do. And we show this in the uh, mapping tool and in the RTP of which projects might move forward faster and how many more projects we could deliver overall. So we have a few minutes left. What is what is the key part of this RTP that you want to make people aware of that, for lack of a better way of putting it, the general public has not been aware of, which is one reason why I'm glad you came on the program to talk about it and you've made other public presentations? Is this the final word? No, <laughs> you, you uh, still get it. You still get a couple of a couple of minutes. We're, we're done. Sure. So I'll, I'll say that we we each have transportation needs, each of us as individuals. And when we've gone out in the past and asked people through our surveys and what, on our website and asked what's important to you, what we find is it responses fit every bucket. So somebody wants more safe routes to school. Somebody wants more buses. Somebody wants more highway or interchange improvements. Somebody wants more active transportation, bicycles and pedestrian movements or downtown enhancements that will then spur our e local economies even more. There's no one mode that everybody wants that to be fixed and then everybody's happy with the rest. There's We are very much a intermodal or multimodal uh, region and we need to improve all things the best we can. And unfortunately, the amount of money we have can improve everything a little bit, but not everything to the amount that anybody or everybody really wants to be. Some of us would like to see more regional rail, but I didn't mention that. <laughs> okay. And actually, yeah, the funding 
rail funding is not actually touched on in the regional transportation plan. Because it's not it's not locally funded um, channels generally, correct? Correct. Okay, we're down to the last few minutes, and um, as I often remind people that I talk too much and that we want my guests to have a chance to have the final word. Um, James, why don't we start with you, and then we'll we'll let Sarah have the the final word of the words, and we'll go from there. Sure. So I think our biggest challenge for our regional transportation plan is we all have transportation needs, and a lot of them can't be built before 2045 due to the funding shortfalls and reliance on state and federal agencies only. We continue to seek those federal and state support dollars, but we're going to lose out more and more to the on those competitive funds as Monterey and Santa Cruz and Santa Barbara and 22 other counties leverage their local transportation measure dollars to capture more and more state and federal grant funds. That's going to leave us waiting for decades due to funding limitations for our 101 improvements and interchanges and safe across the school projects and downtown enhancements and bike lanes and major trails like the coastal trail, the Anza trail, or adding more transit services, both fixed route and senior services. And if we can't capture the state federal funds, then the local agencies that do have local general funds that want these projects to be built must kick in more of their general fund dollars for such improvements. And that reduces their funding left over for road maintenance and potholes. And Slocog doesn't have any money at this point in time for road maintenance potholes where Measure County does have those dollars for that, those purposes. So what is, uh, James, real quick question, what is missing out of this report that, that you were hoping to see that um, is not in there this time? Um, ideally, we would have a measure and we would deliver almost everything in this plan. When you look at how much we could bring in to the to the region from state competitive sources over 23 years, we'd bring in probably close to a billion dollars, depending on the mix of an investment plan from a measure, to the region, and we'd be offering up only like 300 million dollars. Uh, that's a great return on investment, but we can't get that in our plan because it's not allowable. Okay, well, we're we're not done yet, Sarah. Yes, I think my take home is to really, I want people to go look at our plan. I want them to to see the projects in their neighborhood. Um, and again, I'm a visual person. Um, so anyone can go to slow, slowcog.org forward slash 2023 RTP and look at our slow regional transportation outlook tool. Um, it's a map, it's very clickable. You can click on your own community. You can see what projects are being done uh, in your neighborhood. For instance, um, in my neighborhood, we have the Prado Road interchange um, as a, you know, a future or current project listing. Um, something that was done in my neighborhood is the Los Osos Valley Road interchange that we actually got an award for locally, I think from the New Times, uh, maybe in 2015. Um, and, but it's, it's all about the public. It's all about the, our listeners and and what they want to see um, and hearing their voice on the projects that are currently listed. And if there's something that's not in there that they're like, this needs to be done, we want to hear it. Um, and this is the time because again, this is the public review draft of our 2023 regional transportation plan. Um, and we're looking for your feedback. And as we mentioned earlier in the program, I am surprised at the number of people who don't know what slow cog is. Hopefully we've educated some people today. 
and that don't show up at slow cog meetings to even hear what this discussion is. Um, I think that whatever we can do to maybe get more people involved in that planning process is good. Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, and, and just to add to that, Fred had mentioned at the uh, start of our show that he sits on our Citizens Transportation Advisory Committee. It is a committee. Um, and we're, we're looking for um, some individuals to join some of our committees. So if there are listeners out there that want to, you know, really give, a, give us their feedback on our staff reports before they even go to the board, there's opportunity to do that. Um, and again, you could check out our website at slowcog.org um, to, to see those opportunities and get involved um, so that you, the things you want done get done. Good point. Thank you, Sarah. This has been Central Coast Voices. I want to thank you for joining us today. We've had some technical difficulties, so thank you for sticking with us through the program. Next week, Dr. Uh, Lata Murti is going to be on, and she is going to speak with representatives from the Community Environmental Council. They're going to dis- discuss the launch of a new program about uh, monitoring and sharing findings on air pollution, wildfire smoke, pesticide exposure at the neighborhood level throughout the Guadalupe and Santa Maria Valley. Dr. Murthy will be here for that discussion with her guests next week. Um, That should be a very interesting program. Central Coast Voices is a production of Action for Healthy Communities, a project of the Community Foundation, along with San Luis Obispo's KCBX Public Radio. We are a key part of the discussion about a lot of topics. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for the support of KCBX and the Community Foundation. Thank you to Brad Kyle, who's been in our studio engineering today. It's tough doing it by remote control sometimes, so we appreciate having him with us. And thank you to my guests, James Worsley, Worsley, pardon me, and Sarah Wolsey um, for being with us today. And it's always a pleasure for me to talk with people from SLOCOG. If more people got involved in SLOCOG, we could have a better understanding of how transportation in our region, region proceeds. So I thank you very much. This has been Central Coast Voices. We'll be back with you soon.